Welcome to those of you who are online. So glad you are with us. And once again, we look forward to you joining with us here in this room. But very thankful that you are here. Uh, this has been an odd week, wouldn't you say? I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't want to mention the presidential debate on Tuesday night and, and the idea of watching two brilliant men forget that they're not in kindergarten. So I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not gonna talk about that. But, but what I will mention just real briefly is that this, this week we found out that the Stanley Cup, that's hockey, the Stanley Cup champions are in Tampa Bay, Florida. That's amazing, a city that is known for its rich, deep hockey heritage. Tampa Bay, Florida. Okay, now, now that's not what we're uh, talking about here uh, today. What we are once again going to do is talk about what this, this journal mentions. We are here to realize our role in God's story, that there is a, an epic story going on that is the story of God, and we get to play a role in that. That's what all these journals, the title of all of these journals, they have a subtitle. Each color has a different theme throughout it. But the journal that we drive after is Realize Your Role in God's Story. If you have one of these journals, if you, if you don't have one, they're available in the lobby. If you do have one, would you uh, take it out, please? Those of you at home, if you would uh, grab your journal, because I have a correction to make, okay? Uh, if you turn to page 12 and 13, we have the Bible reading plan, which as I've told you before, is a very doable plan. It covers the whole Bible if, if, as we walk through all of these journals. And there's a mistake. On week 15 and 16, it says that the book of Philippians has 106 chapters. I wish it did. I actually wish it did because Philippians is fantastic. But that should be Psalms, okay? It's Psalms 90 through 106 for weeks 15 and 16. So go ahead and cross out Philippians, write Psalms, and then we'll be fine, etc. cetera. Um, we did that on purpose just to see if anyone would catch it, and somebody did. So congratulations, they get a prize. All right. So uh, with your journal still out, uh, I'll kind of direct you to what the plan is today. If you go one page back, we have what we refer to as the nine essential roles. Now, when we say realize your role in God's story, we have unique roles to play. We have unique roles as moms and dads and sons and daughters and teachers and students. And we have unique roles depending on our, our situation in life. What we've identified with these nine roles are the universal roles. For all who choose to follow Jesus as Lord, the, these are the things that we are going after to unpack and understand. What does it mean for us to realize our role? What do each of these roles mean? And, and all of us, we're gonna look at these roles and some of them we're gonna connect with easily. Some of them we're gonna be, ooh, that's one that I need some, some more work on. Next week, for example, we are going to look at the ninth role. Uh, we're gonna start a series called Taking a Stand, and we're gonna talk about this role of witness and what that means for us in our walk with the Lord. We're gonna start that next week, but this morning, we're gonna do a standalone message looking at role number seven, the giver role. Now, let me just tell you, before you get all uncomfortable and wish you didn't come today, what, what I'm not saying today is give, 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 you need to give. What, what, I, what I really wanna say, because you all have been doing excellent with this. Let me tell you what I mean by this. 
uh, our giving here at Mountain Park has, has continued quite well over the COVID experience. And that has not been the experience for all the people that I know here in the city. I've known other churches and other pastors who've had to let go of staff because of significant reductions in giving. But you all have done really well with this. So I wanna say thank you and way to go because Mountain Park has not had to let go of any staff because of your faithful generosity. That's good news, that is great news, way to go. So today is not give, give, give. Today is, is really kind of looking at celebrating why we give, why this is such an important role that can really do amazing things in our own heart and in the hearts of those here in our community. As we head towards that, would you bow your head and pray with me? Father, I do thank you for the generosity of our community here. Thank you that we are able to continue to do ministry. We have to figure out how to do it differently now in this season. And, um, but Father, I pray that uh, you would bless those who continue to give and that you would inspire us as a church, not, ju- not just staff, but us as, as a church, as leaders, as, as part of your army to continue to make a significant difference here in this city, in this community, around the world, we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now, before I continue, I know that some of you still might kind of be uncomfortable with the topic of generosity, with the topic of giver. And let me just, again, before I continue, let me just remind you, if you are a follower of Jesus, that kind of the simple angle on this is, this is what we do. This is simply what we do. I'm not talking about something that is outside of Scripture, something that is maybe fuzzy or unclear in Scripture. I'm not talking about something that I don't personally do. This is what we do. If you are a dental hygienist, then you will floss. You might not like flossing. You might not like doing it all the time. You might even sometimes wonder in your heart of hearts, is it really make that much of a difference? But if you are a dental hygienist hovering over people, telling them to floss, you are going to floss. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is what we do. It's really not a big debate. It's not about, it's not about manipulation. It's not about maybe one day, maybe I'll consider that at some point. If you are a follower of Jesus, This is what we do. And so today, I wanna take a look at a a great story in scripture that that helps remind us why. That helps remind us why. The New Testament begins with four versions of the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And even though those four books cover the story of Jesus, there are only three stories that are found in all four of the Gospels. Did you know that? Only three stories that are found. One of those stories is Jesus coming into Jerusalem and going to the temple and discovering that they're using this place of worship as a marketplace. And Jesus gets very upset and he flips over tables and he's like the, the, the you know, very manly, kind of aggressive version of Jesus. But that story is found in all four of the Gospels. So it must be important. Another story found in all four of the Gospels is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Very important, (laughs) obviously. I mean, that is really the the center of the whole story. And the third story that's found in all four of the Gospels and the story that we're looking at today is the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. 
That's only the third story that is found in all four of the Gospels. Now, today, I want to look at that story, and I want to look at John's version of that story. It's found in John chapter 6, if you brought your Bible. Please open it up at home. Please go get your Bible or go to your digital Bible. We will put the verses on the screen, but it is always helpful for you to be able to glance at it, to see maybe you can kind of look before and after what I'm looking at so that you can get more context. It's always helpful to have it open in front of you. I encourage you, um, bring your Bibles to church, and, uh, and if you bring it, we'll read it, okay? Okay, so uh, John chapter 6, and I'm going to jump in with verse 3. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. I love the playfulness of Jesus here. You know, sometimes we, we read scripture and we just assume that everything written in scripture, everything that Jesus says, everything that every prophet says, everything, every word of God is all very serious and has an English accent. But there's a playfulness here. Jesus is standing next to Philip, one of, his, one of the disciples, the guys he's hanging out with, and says, wow, there's a whole lot of people here. They're going to get hungry. They probably are hungry. How are we going to feed them? And it says right in there, Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew, just like you know the story, he's going to feed all 5,000 of them with a miracle. Jesus knew the miracle, and he just kind of leans into Philip. Hmm, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen here? As I said, we're talking about why live generously. There are internal reasons for that. And I think that they're really the strongest reasons that it is so good for our heart. It is good for us. Even people who do not have any interest in Jesus would agree that it is good to live generously. But Jesus himself, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, knowing it is, it is good for us internally to be givers. But there's, there are also external benefits to our generosity. And I think this story kind of stirs up some of the external benefits. Because the reality is, just like in this story, we're surrounded by people who are hungry. We're surrounded. We're in a community of people who are hungry. People who are starving for hope and meaning in life. Or as we say, as the theme for this journal, for purpose. We are surrounded by people who are starving for purpose. And I know many of us here in this room, we have days, weeks, months, where we, even though we've been following Jesus for a while, when we are just thinking, okay, I need to be reminded of my purpose here. I, I'm starving. We are surrounded by people who are hungry. And this year, 2020, is, is, is an exceptional year for that. With the, with the economy that is just so unnerving, we just don't know what's going to happen. It goes up and down. We have no idea what it's going to look like in six months. With a, an election coming up that just feels like a ticking time bomb, once again, we just, there's so much, there's so much, um, 
uh, at, we're just not at ease in so many ways. Our relationships are strained. The whole idea of social distancing just just by definition means it's harder for us to connect with one another, et cetera. It's harder for us to understand and talk to one another because we have masks on. There's so much separation. We are hungry for some of the basic necessities of life right now. And it takes resources to feed people who are hungry. Whether it's literal food or it's spiritual food. It takes resources. And Philip understands this. He responds there in the next verse, verse seven, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. I love that Philip figured that out. I would have expected Matthew, the tax collector, to kind of be over there going, okay, if I cross, you know, carry the one, da, da, da. But here we have Philip. So Jesus must have gathered a few math guys around him, you know, as a part of this journey. Philip wants to figure this out. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? John is, the, uh, is, is unique among gospel writers. He, uh, he's, the, uh, he's the only one who mentions John who mentions the boy in this story. John's the only one who mentions the boy. All, all three versions say, hey, we have five loaves and two fish. John's the only one who, who mentions that there, there is a boy in this story. And I love that. That's why I'm looking at John's version of the story because I think you and I, we're the boy. In, in some way, you know, when you read scripture, when you read a story of Jesus, it is so important to just say, who am I? Who am I in this story? And you might be a different person at different seasons, depending on how God wants to use that story. But, but it could be that you and I are the boy. People are hungry and we have bread. We, we may not have enough. We may not have enough to, to, to feed everybody, but we have bread. People are hungry and we have bread. I don't want, what I mean by that are two things. We have bread. First of all, what I mean by that is that we have Jesus. John is unique among gospel writers in that he's the only one who mentions the boy. And John is different than the other three. John is more poetic than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And John has a tendency to attach stories with sayings of Jesus in a way that other gospel writers don't. For example, John chapter 11, he tells the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And then in that same chapter, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He connects the story with a saying of Jesus. And the same thing happens here in chapter six. John tells the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And then later on in chapter six, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread. So for those, for those of us who, who, who know who Jesus is, we know who is the source of hope and purpose and joy and love and peace, etc. cetera. We, we know who that is. We know that that is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread. People are hungry and we know how to get bread. 
So first of all, Jesus is the bread. But then also, we have bread. It also means we have resources. You know, we sometimes refer to money as bread or the one who is the, the main money earner in a family. They're referred to as the breadwinner. What that means is we have, we have sustenance. We have provision. Most of us have more than what we need, if we're honest. And so the question is, what are we going to do about it? People are hungry, and we have bread. So what are we going to do about it? If I'm honest, on a bad day, and I imagine I'm the father of this boy, then what I would be thinking, now don't judge me for this, but if I was the father of the boy, sitting there with five loaves and two fish that we brought, surrounded by people who are hungry, on a bad day, my, thought would, my first thought would be, hide the bread. <laughs> and can anybody relate to that? Can anybody relate? If that was you and you thought, you know what? We planned for this event. We're the ones who prepared. We're the ones who knew we're probably gonna be outside for quite some time. Jesus tends to teach for a long time, a lot of traveling. Let's bring some food so we can take care of our family. Why should we be punished? Why should we have less because others weren't prepared? That makes sense, right? That's, there's so much logic to that. You might look at, at other parts of life that way. I'm the one who's responsible. I went to college. I got a job and, uh, so that I can pay bills, so that I can buy insurance to cover for things that happen in life. Why should I be the one to pay for the person who did not go to college, who traveled around Europe because they wanted to find themselves, and now they don't have money, and they don't have insurance, and I'm the one who has to pay for them? There's some part of that that makes sense, right? And we can even apply that to spirituality. I have found Jesus. I, I have found the one who is the source of hope and purpose. I have I have heard the story. I have somehow stumbled into a church or, or into some ministry in college or whatever, and I found out who, who the bread is, and I, and I realized what, what, what could satisfy my hunger, and I responded to that Jesus. So now I know, I know where I'm going to go when I die. And so, so why? I figured it out. I did whatever it took to figure it out. Why can't they? Well, they have, they have access to the same churches and the same ministries and colleges, et cetera. I figured it out. Why can't they? Why should I have to pay for, for the church to continue to do ministry, to reach out to people who have had access to the same information that I've had? I've found Jesus. People are hungry, and we have bread. And so... Is it, is, it, is, it, is it the right thing to say, hide the bread? That's what I would say on a, on a bad day. You know, you know what I would say as a father on a good day, hopefully more days than bad days, I'd be so proud of my son. If we brought that food and, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm hungry. And a boy says, hey, hey, we have some to share. How proud would I be as a dad? How proud is our Father in heaven when we look at what he has provided for us in the first place and we say, hey, I, I realize people are hungry. Maybe I can do something about that. 
What a beautiful thing for a father to watch a child think, act, and respond in those ways. So why would we, why would we want to be a giver? Why would we want to go after this seventh role here that I, I listed up there? Why would we even consider this as a part of our lives? There really, there's a there's hundred reasons to give. And so I'm not, I'm not covering all the reasons to give. I just want to remind you of two. I just want to remind you two of the many reasons that we give. One is the role of giver is actually measurable. And this is, this is a terrific gift. This is a terrific thing that is actually miserable. Sometimes it's miserable, but, but it's, it's actually measurable. That, that what, what happens is, is when we look at the other roles, the other lists, and we think, hey, I want to grow spiritually. My assumption is that you want to grow spiritually, that you want to be different next month than you are right now, somehow. And it's very difficult to measure spiritual growth. How can I know what's different in a month or in a year? But with, with regard to, to the role of giver, we can easily look at that. We can just look at it. You can make a difference in this part of your life today. Today, you can sign on online and do whatever your thing is, and you can make a difference on it. It is a gift that this is the most measurable role that we look at as part of this journey of realizing our role in God's story. It's measurable, and it's reasonable. It's, it's reasonable. The whole thing is actually makes sense. It is a reasonable thing that God has invited us to participate in. He's not asking us to clear out our bank account so that we put ourselves at risk in the future. That's not what God is asking all of us to do. Sometimes God will really challenge us in those areas, but in terms of consistently following Jesus, it's not about emptying our bank account. It's the whole idea of a, of a tithe, of a percentage giving, is just such a beautifully reasonable way to look at this. If you don't have a job, if you're at a season where you're, where you're not receiving income, 10% of zero is zero. And so we can, we can live generously and do all that we can, but, you know, it, it's a percentage. If you've had a great year, if the floodgates have opened up for you, then that means you have more to give to feed hungry people. That's just, it is a, it is a reasonable journey. Do you think this, this boy... Who, who gave up five loaves and two fish? Do you think that, that this boy and his dad and his family, do you think they were fed as part of this, this story? Do you, you, you know the story. Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he has everyone sit down. And then he feeds all of them with five loaves and two fish. 5,000 men, not including women and children. And there were buckets of food left over. There was, there was food left over. Do you think this boy had something to eat even though he gave sacrificially? Well, sure he did. Sure he did. Jesus, Jesus can feed all those who are hungry in our community. Jesus can feed all of those who are starving for hope and for purpose and for meaning, etc. Jesus can feed them all. And what he's asking for us to do is just share what we have we don't, we don't have to feed 5,000. We just have to share our five loaves and two fish. People are hungry and we have bread. So 
Where are you on this roll? How are you doing with your five loaves and your two fish? Once again, I know that, I know that some, for some of you in this room, that, that role, is, you're doing fine with that one. Some of you at home, that role, you're doing okay with that. And, and it's other roles on that list that we're gonna continue to go after. And, and again, for those of you who, who live generously, thank you. We can't function as a church without you. Thank you that we get to do ministry because of, of your generosity. But for those of you who look at that list of nine and say, yeah, that's, that's one I'm not quite there with. I just, I just ask you, why, why not go after a role that actually is measurable and reasonable? If you want to grow spiritually, why, why not give it a shot and just watch what Jesus does with your five loaves and two fish? Would you bow your heads with me? With your head bowed, I just, I just want to give you a moment to just reflect on this role, to either just, just say, thank you, God, that you've given me a generous heart, not out of arrogance, just out of, just out of thankfulness that you get to focus on some of the other roles. Or perhaps right now, just where you are, just to reflect and say, why is this one so hard would you, just, would you just ask the Lord that right now, just for a few moments? Father, I believe you love it when we genuinely just come before you and say, God, I, I want more. <laughs> I want more of you. I want less of what the world has to offer. I want more of what you have to offer. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you help me understand what it means to take a step forward in this area? I think you love it when we do that. So Father, would you take our five loaves and two fish and would you feed 5,000? Would you continue this this miracle in our lives and in the lives of those here in our community, here in our city, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.